You guys find Philemon yet? Did you find Philemon yet? Remember, it's after the T's. You got First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, Titus, Philemon. Then you're going to have Hebrew and First and Second Peter and James, and go on. So it's just a little epistle there. Now let me ask you guys a question. Let's just do this. I told you we we're going to go through the prison epistles. Those are the epistles that Paul wrote while in prison, and this is the last of them: Colossians, Philippians, Ephesians, which we went through years ago, and now Philemon. And as we finished Philippians, we were in the book of Philippians for 16 years. It was crazy. Just kidding, but it was a half a year, long time, four chapters. We finally finished Philippians, and the Lord put on my heart just a couple weeks ago, Luke. The next book you're going to go through is the book of Joshua. Joshua, and I was meditating on Joshua. Joshua, because Joshua's taken the children of Israel and he goes across the Jordan and into the promised land and it's a new era, a new generation, a new building and the Lord's taken us into our promised land up on the hill. It's going to be amazing. But last week we went through Acts chapter 8. We talked about getting the salt out of the shaker and how God's going to build his church and it's not going to be easy and he can use anybody. It's an amazing message. You guys want to hear that, go listen to it. It's on YouTube. You can watch it. But as I was then reading through Philippians, I said, oh, we can't skip Philippians for so many reasons. It's so good. It's so important. I believe for such a time as this, for right now, especially with all the complexities, listen, and the cancel culture, and the viralness of our nature that we live in right now, Paul's going to address an issue, interpersonal relationship, that when things get tough, you gotta stay tender. That when there's infractions or when there's afflictions or when there's problems, you need to do what Jesus taught us in Luke 17, the fourfold way of moving forward in offenses. Number one is to rebuke people. That means to be honest. Number two is to repent. Don't make excuses. Number three is to forgive. And number four is to, starts with re, rhymes with Pete. Repeat, to repeat. Jesus said, and do this 70 times seven. Do it over and over and over. Rebuke, repent, forgive, repeat. Rebuke, repent, forgive, repeat, repeat. I could keep going. And this is the only way to move forward in life if you want to have that fellowship in a world gone crazy. So I was reading through Philippians. Let's do a quick poll, though. How many guys, be honest, this is church, don't lie to me. How many guys have never read through the book of Philemon? Raise up your hand. Okay, how many guys aren't sure if you've read through the book of Philemon ever? You're like, I don't know, you know. Is it in the Bible? You know, I don't, yeah. (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I opened up my Bible. I found Philemon. It took me a minute, but I found it. And when I found Philemon, there was not one underlined verse, not one marked note, not one circle, nothing. It was completely new. Now, that's changed since then. I've done the whole entire book because it only took 24 or 5 verses. I did it last night. But I marked the whole thing up, and I thought, I've never taught through Philemon. I've never studied this book out. And I believe for such a time as this, God wants this church to understand the heart of Philemon, the book of Philemon, because it's going to change your life. Now, I'm going to go ahead because none of you guys have read it. You just wait, raise your hand. We're going to read it all, all 25 verses, and then we're going to study as much as we can. So guys, settle in. Here we go. The words will be up on the screen if you don't have your Bible open. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia, his wife, Archippus, his son, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God mentioning, I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that in the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Therefore, though I might be bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, 
Yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, be in such as one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I'm sending him back. You, therefore, receive him. That is my own heart, whom I wished to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted nothing that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for you, while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he's wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay you, not to mention to you that you owe me, even you yourself besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I. Then I say, but meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers, I shall be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Amen. Now you guys can all say you've read Philemon the whole entire book. Man, we're moving on, moving on. Now open up to Joshua chapter one. Now you guys understand the book. No, I'm just kidding, just kidding. Not gonna be that simple. Not gonna be that simple. Philemon is an interesting epistle because some scholars, most scholars, believe that Philemon shouldn't have been included in the way that we study the scriptures. It's more of a private and personal letter. Paul wrote many private and personal letters to people that were not doctrinal or doctrinal or theological in this way. And so most believe that this letter probably could have just been to Philemon and to his wife, Aphia, and to Ar- Ar- Aristarchus, whatever, which is, what's his son's name? Archippus. Archippus. How many guys name your son Archippus? Anyways, it's a freebie. No one's using that name. And they could have just given this to him as a little email. But what happened is, is this email became public and it went viral and people started reading it, people started studying it and made the canonization of the scriptures. And I say that to say this, you never know what God's gonna use in your life to advance his kingdom, but you do know that God's gonna use the faithfulness in the small things. Sometimes we plan and prepare for big things. Oh my gosh, this is the letter to the Corinthians. This is gonna be a big deal. You know, we write the letter to the Corinthians. We know it's gonna be studied and memorized. This letter Philemon has been studied, analyzed, and taught by billions of people. And I believe that Paul didn't mean it to be, but nonetheless, he gave his heart, it glorified the Lord, it instructed the body, and it was valuable and profitable, and brought all glory to Jesus Christ. And God said, I'm gonna use that, by the way. You might not believe here this morning that God sees your efforts, your small acts of kindness, those things that you've done in faith for his glory and for others' good. And I wanna encourage you, there is no such thing as small or big things in the Lord's economy. That's how we work. Oh, it's a big thing. That's a small thing. That's not how Jesus worked. Remember on the day when they were worshiping in the temple and these guys were bringing big offerings and big things were happening in the temple? Jesus didn't notice at all. And then this woman brought in a real small offering and Jesus noticed that and said, hey, I saw her heart. I saw how she gave, not what she gave, but how. And God honors the how of what we do, not necessarily the what, but the how. And he honors the small things. Remember when the little lad came to Jesus with five loaves and two fish? And immediately Andrew started second guessing this offering. He's like, oh, this is such a bad idea. Why would this work? 
And Jesus said, it's perfect. I'll take it. And he took this little offering. And this is just a little letter from Paul to Philemon, if you understand the context in that brief reading, what had happened evidently is Philemon, who lived in Colossae, he went to the church at Colossae. He's just one of the elders there, one of the leaders, maybe one of the pastors, one of the house church guys. He went there and he had a slave named Onesimus. Slaves in those days were very common. It wasn't necessarily as bad as it has been in our culture. It was more of a relationship with an employee that would live with you and you'd care for them the rest of their lives. Evidently, Onesimus was a slave that had stolen some money from Philemon and ran and tried to hide in Rome. We don't know the circumstances, but somehow Paul, the prisoner, became friends with Onesimus, the prisoner. And Paul, in prison, began to share the gospel with everyone he meets. And so Onesimus says, dude, can I be saved? Can I be forgiven? Can I become a Christian? And Onesimus becomes a Christian, and it's amazing. And Paul's like, oh, my son who's begotten in the faith. This is so great. Tell me about yourself, Onesimus. Well... I used to live in Colossae. Oh, I've got friends in Colossae. Well, I used to be a slave for a guy named Philemon. Oh, I know Philemon. He's my best friend. Yeah, I stole some money from him. He's mad at me. He's, he actually, in those Roman days, a slave owner would have the right to kill their slave if they were to run from them. If a slave were to return, they would have the right to tattoo uh, an F on their forehead, which would stand for fugitive, and they would be branded in that way. There was a lot of bad things that would happen. And so Onesimus is thinking to himself, here's my new best friend, Paul. And Paul's thinking, so you wronged Philemon? You know what you should do when you get out? You should go back. You should go back as a brother, not as a slave go back as a Christian. I'll write you a letter and I'll tell Philemon to forgive you. And he said there, I don't know if you noticed, he said there's the command. Paul's like, I could command you to forgive him. Did you see that? He says, therefore, verse eight, I might be bold in Christ to command you what is fitting. Look at verse nine. Yet for love's sake, rather I appeal to you. He's writing to Philemon. He's like, Philemon, I could tell you what to do. But Philemon, you're such a good guy. And I know there's a challenge here because you've been wronged. You've been wronged. He stole money from you. He, he ditched you. I'll bet you, as a matter of fact, when Philemon got this letter, he's like, oh, a letter from Paul? A letter from Paul? I wonder what it's about. And he sees this name, Onesimus. Onesimus. And I bet he got that ulcer, you know, started bubbling over. Onesimus. You ever had somebody in your life before, that even when you hear their name, you're just like, ugh. Uh. Yeah, you know, have you had somebody in your life like that? It just hurts you? You got like some knives in your back or... They just took you down. They did something to you. And so Paul writes Philemon and says, hey, he's new. He's changed. And I could just tell you to forgive him. But instead, I want you to do the right thing. I want you to do what God has put in your heart. And I appeal to you to love him. It's an amazing text. It's an amazing letter. And it's the faithfulness. I believe, again, it was just a small email that Paul sent to Philemon and it got leaked out and people started studying it out and I would just encourage you the things you're doing right now for the Lord are not unseen and they are powerful trust the Lord you do not know how God's going to use your five loaves and two fish you don't know how God's going to use your faithfulness it's so easy to second guess yourself isn't it maybe you volunteered in the Sunday school classroom and you're teaching the Sunday school kids and this kid walks up to you and looks at you and kicks you in the shit and you don't run away you're like what it didn't go well and then down the road, you realize it impacted that little guy, that little gal. I got an email just a couple of days ago uh, from a friend of mine named Scott Matson. He's a pastor now. And he emailed me, and we haven't talked to him in about 15 years. And he emailed me and said, Luke, I want to thank you for your faithfulness when you were in Southern Oregon. 
for your preaching on the college campus of Southern Oregon University. And the Bible study is of Soma and Jesus Seekers, these Bible studies that I, that I started years and years ago. And he said, you poured into me and to others so faithfully, and it changed my life, and I'm now an ordained pastor in Jacksonville, and I'm living my life for the glory of God and the good of others. And I just want to thank you for your investment in my life. And I read that, and I thought, that's crazy. That's crazy. And, and what God is going to take of our faithfulness and how he's going to use it is up to him. And when we see that fruit, it's also up to him. Philemon is now getting this letter from Paul. We're studying it out. Let's look at a few verses before we dismiss. We only have a few more minutes left. Let's get at least one verse under our belt. He says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia, most believe that's his wife. Archippus, most believe that's his son. We're not sure. Our fellow soldier and to the church in your house. We would assume this is a letter to a husband and to a wife and to their son and to the house church that they have there in their home. And as Paul addresses this family, he uses five nouns to describe Christianity. Friend, brother, prisoner, laborer, What was the other one? Prisoner, brother, friend, labor. Oh, yeah, soldier. My wife and I were talking about describing Christianity and explaining it. And how just like God, you can't explain God with just one word. Because God has many descriptions. And Christianity, you can't really explain in one word. And so here, Paul, at the very beginning, uses five nouns to describe what it means to be a Christian. The very first thing he says, though, is found in Paul, a, everyone say prisoner. Prisoner of Christ Jesus. Then we know that Paul was in prison, a Roman prison, because the Romans had arrested him. So essentially, he's a prisoner of Rome, right? Yeah, he says he's a prisoner of Christ Jesus. We also know that he was a prisoner of injustice because there was inequality and unfairness and all kinds of things going on culturally. So he's a prisoner of injustice, right? We also know he's a prisoner of his countrymen. The Jews had slandered him and accused him falsely, and he was in prison because of the Jews. Not just injustice, not just the Jews, not just Rome, but all these other things. But what's Paul say? He's a prisoner of Jesus Christ. What a perspective that Paul had. Paul could have blamed anybody for a situation. Well, they shouldn't have, and they would have, and they could have, and all this. And he said, no, it's Jesus who put me here. We're going to call this the sovereignty of God. Listen, the omniscience of God, the omnipotence of God, the omnipresence of God, the omnis of God. How many of you guys believe God is omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent in all things? Okay, he's sovereign in all things. Like God's whoa, over all things. And then later tonight, you're going to watch the evening news and freak out. You're going to look at the bank and freak out. Your doctor's going to call you. You're going to freak out. You're going to look at the culture and you're going to freak out. Here's Paul. If anybody should be freaking out, it's him. Should have been freak out Paul. But instead, Paul says, no, I'm actually the prisoner of Jesus Christ. I'm here by the will of God. Really? Because Paul had an ability to trust God in his sovereignty in all things. And instead of playing the victim, instead of trying to get out, instead of trying to minimize or to justify other things, Paul said, hey, if God wants me here, I'll be here. God wants me out, I'll get out. When you have this perspective that where you are is right where God wants you, it'll change the way you are where you are, amen? Until you realize God has placed you as a single person or a married person or a male or a female or old or young or rich or poor or whatever class you're in or healthy or not healthy, until you realize that God is sovereign, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent over all things, until you realize and rest and trust in that, you're gonna be anxious, overwhelmed, and mad in the fact that you don't have what other people have. And Paul says, no, no, let's start out in our Christian description that where we are is exactly where God wants us to be. 
That'll change everything for you. I'm a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a, your Christianity starts, by the way, by being arrested by Jesus. It's got to be Jesus. He uses some other descriptions, friend, brother, laborer, soldier, but first, prisoner of Jesus Christ. And let me just say this before we even move on to anything else if we have time. Until you're arrested by Jesus Christ, until you're incarcerated by Jesus Christ, until you're in the army of Jesus Christ, until you're allegiant to Jesus Christ, until you're connected to Jesus Christ, you really haven't even started your Christian walk yet. It has to be Jesus first, Jesus next, Jesus last. Everything else in this world is gonna let you down. Friends, brothers, laborers, soldiers, all that other stuff that he uses, you must be connected, incarcerated, arrested by Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, Paul would often call himself a bond servant of Jesus Christ. A bond servant was a slave that had been set free and released, but said, you know what? I don't wanna go anywhere. I wanna serve you. And the owner of that slave would take an awl and pierce their ear and put a loop in their ear, and they would be known in those days as a bond servant. That is, they were free to go, but they've chosen to stay willingly to serve somebody else with the rest of their lives. How? When you know what Jesus has done for you, and you know the length Jesus went for you, You know the life that Jesus lived for you, the death that Jesus died in your place. You give your life to him and you become a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Let me make an application in that. When you're a prisoner, you don't really have a lot of choices, right? You ever been to prison before? I've been to jail. I've not been to prison. Went to Jackson County Jail. I got sentenced to 90 days. I didn't have to go for all 90 days. I only have to go for a few just to taste it. Just enough for Luke Frechette to get his humility card. And the craziest thing about being in jail is that when you want to go home, you can't. It's the the weirdest thing. Your freedom's taken from you. You can quit anything you want in your life right now. Anything you want, you can quit. You can quit your marriage, walk away. You can do it. Bad decision. You can quit your job, you can leave right now. Don't do it. Lock the door wide. You, You can leave anything you want in jail, though, if you want to leave. You can't. Your freedom is gone. If you've not had your freedom taken away from you yet, okay, know this, though. When you become a Christian and you give your life to Jesus Christ, that connection, that commitment to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? John 6, 68. You have the words of eternal life. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not quitting. No matter what. No matter what my marriage is going through right now, this is where God has me. No matter what my health is dealing with right now, I'm a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm gonna honor him as such. No matter what's going on culturally, I'm not gonna blame them. I'm gonna trust the Lord. I'm gonna stay connected to him, committed to him. And when you have this wherewithal commitment, you're not going, you don't need a warden. You don't need a guard. You don't need bars. You need that eyes fixed on Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And when Paul says this to his friends in Philippi or Philemon in Colossae, he's saying, I first and foremost, I'm not an apostle. I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Guys, these other nouns, I just wanna rip through them quickly. I guess we're not going through any verses today. He says that we're also not just prisoners, but we're brothers. He says, Timothy, our brother. Do you know when you become a believer, you get brothers and sisters innumerable? More brothers and sisters than you can count. I don't know if you've experienced, if you've really walked in this. Just look around. Look around the people around you right now. Look around. Stop looking at me. Look around. If you're looking at me, you're doing it wrong. Look around. Isn't that crazy? I look at you guys the whole service, man. Just try it out. It's fun. There's a lot of brothers and sisters here. Man, it's freaky. I got one bio sister, okay? Erin. She lives in Beaverton. I love her. But when you give your life to Jesus Christ, 
the brothers and sisters grow so much. It's such a privilege. And if we see each other's brothers and sisters, man, and not just brothers and sisters, but he goes on to say to Philemon, our beloved friend, we have friends as well. Family is awesome. Brothers and sisters are amazing. But having friends in the fellowship, people that you consider your friend, we live in a culture that doesn't have friends being made as easily as they used to. Okay, the church does not have that same problem. We have the ability to be friends with each other. As a matter of fact, we have a command to be friendly with one another. So much obligation, so much freedom to love each other as brothers, sisters, as friends. But then he goes on to say that we're fellow laborers. Can I just remind you that Christianity is a work? It's not just a spectator sport. It's a participation sport. God has called us to be brothers and to be friends, but to also labor with one another. And we get to work alongside of each other in the field of God that God has put you in. We get to do what God's asked us to do and put our best foot forward and our best efforts forward. And I would encourage you, what are you doing right now to work out your faith and salvation, to work for the betterment of others and not just yourself? But also, lastly, this last noun that he uses to describe Christianity is not just being a prisoner of Jesus. It starts with him, brothers, friends, and laborers, but he calls him a soldier, Archippus. I've not served in the military. I have friends that have. But we all understand when you're a soldier, you're focused. You're all in. There's a war. There's a battle. There's an enemy. There's an objective. There's a mission. And sometimes, don't you feel like you're being attacked sometimes? Because you are. You ever feel like you have a bullseye on your back? You do. If you're a Christian, okay, the enemy wants to take you out. As a matter of fact, that's how Paul begins this letter in the first couple of verses. He said, hey, Philemon, I see you. Guess what I'm doing? Making mention of you in my prayers daily. Why? Well, because I heard of all the things you're doing there, killing it. So I pray for you even more. See, oftentimes we pray for people who are hurting and going through problems and situations and challenges, which is the right thing to do. You should pray for people who are going through challenges and situations and trials. But what Paul says is, I'm praying for you, Philemon, because I hear of your faith. And I know you're a soldier, Archippus, and you're my beloved friend and my brother, and I'm praying for you. I love how Paul lists all these names. And the last point I would just say is this. In Christianity, you guys, moving forward, okay, we can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. You're not designed to do it alone. We're designed to do it together as brothers and sisters, as friends, co-laborers, and soldiers. One of our hopes is in the fall, late fall, is to develop and to deploy uh, uh, some tools for discipleship where we see women getting together with other women, men getting together with other men, maybe groups of four or five, and, and you go into a discipleship agreement with each other. Say, I wanna be your friend, I'm gonna be your brother, I'm gonna labor for you, and I'll be a soldier alongside of you. I'll commit to you. And our hope and desire is that we continue to grow, that we see discipleship groups grow here at South Beach Church and, and bonds made and friendships forged and purpose identified and as we continue to advance the cause. How many of you guys believe that the best is yet to come? There's future things. If you've read the scriptures, you gotta understand that's God's heart. He leads us from glory to glory. And yet I believe this epistle, we're gonna study it out a little bit differently next week, probably just taking it right from the top and going through Paul's heart for reconciliation. The Bible says that God has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. If you're wondering what the mission is of Jesus Christ, it's to reconcile people to God and people to each other. That's what he does. That's what it's all about. He uses buildings. He uses houses. He uses hills. He uses bodies. He uses us for that purpose. And as we trust him and let him lead us and guide us, keep our hearts soft, stay tough and tender, 
to the things of God. I believe that the best is yet to come for God's glory and for others' good. Now we have an 11 a.m. service coming in soon, so we can't get through any more verses. Bow your heads and let's close our eyes and let's pray and ask God to lead us and guide us. Father, we've talked about a lot of things today from the beginning to the end. More things up on the hill, things happened last week. Brothers driving up from Mexico. Building plans in the future. Faithfulness, the school. The book of Philemon our community that's going through loss right now, so many things. And so in Jesus' name, maybe you're here right now, in Jesus' name, Lord, would you just put onto us a new mantle, Lord, of excitement and commitment for the things of God? And if you're here this morning, I just wanna give you an opportunity to say, I wanna be more available to the Lord, more excited about the Lord, more committed to the Lord. I just need help. You're not gonna make any promises to the Lord, but I wanna give you an opportunity to raise your hand and say, yeah, I want those things. I don't know how to do it necessarily, but I want to be more excited, more available, and more committed to the Lord. Would you just raise up your hand right now as we begin a new book, as we begin a new chapter, and you would say, yep, I want that. You're here at 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning when you could be outside doing things. And so I believe you've already made that decision in your heart. Lord, my hand is up too, and I repent. Maybe just keep your hand up. Think about those things that have kept you away, those things that are hindering your progress and hindering your relationship with the Lord. Bring those things to him right now and say, Lord, have your way. But I pray you'd remove those things. I pray you'd strengthen us where we're weak. Maybe you have some weakness in your life, some areas where you just keep getting taken down. Maybe it's your health or finances. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a relationship, something you're just like, oh, Lord, I'm so weak in this area. Lord, would you just overwhelm us with your strength? Where we are weak, you are strength is made perfect. We thank you, Jesus. We give our church to you. We give, Lord, the last 12 years to you, the last nine years to you. Lord, we give it all to you in Jesus' name. We pray you take us, Lord, over this threshold into new promised land. Lord, into new promises, into new purposes. Bless the school. Bless the mission in Mexico, Lord. Bless the hill. Bless all of it. Keep our hearts soft. We repent, Lord, and give our lives to you. Put your hands down. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness to us. Bless us, Lord. Bless the steak and study tomorrow night with the guys and all the stuff with the school this week. We thank you, Lord. Keep our hearts soft, Lord. Keep our minds set on heaven. We thank you for all you've done. Provide for us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen and amen. Hey, read the book of Philemon with us. Read it once per day. It's only 25 verses. Just keep reading through it. Grab onto those texts. Maybe your Bible's like mine. There's no highlighter marks, no text, no underlines. Let's change that. May the Lord speak to you through the book of Philemon and may we walk in it as we reconcile with one another and love people and continue to move in the grace and glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Guys, we'll see you tomorrow night, 6 p.m. at Calvary Chapel Corvallis. Other than that, email us if you have any questions. You guys are dismissed.